This special edition of Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan features an installment from a limited series called Coping with COVID. Hosted by Brian Mulligan, the president of Applied Information, Coping with COVID shares the stories and successes of people and organizations during these unprecedented times of dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Travel Safely is presented by Applied Information, creator of the Travel Safely smartphone app. Hello and welcome to Coping with COVID. I'm your host, Brian Mulligan. On this program, we help tell the stories and share the successes of people and organizations as we all deal with this COVID-19 pandemic. Our focus is on keeping people safe and at the same time, re-energizing the economy. Our guest today is Marsha Anderson Bomer, Assistant General Manager, Capital Programs Delivery for MARTA. So, Marsha, welcome to the show today. How are you doing today? Thanks, Brian. I'm delighted to be with you. It's great to see you again. Yeah, lovely to see you virtually uh, as we navigate our way through these crazy times. It's really been a, a difficult time for, for everybody. So why don't you talk us, Marsha, through where you're up to personally, your family, and how this is affecting your business and your career uh, at Marta. I mean, wh what's going on in the Marsha world? So in the Marsha world, um, I became a grandma uh, back in November, Thanksgiving time. Fantastic. Some wonderful family time in January, well, December and January. Had my suitcase packed and my ticket in hand in March to go spend another week with my daughter and her family when the world shut down. So uh, I'm getting to know my grandbaby uh, through digital media and uh, uh, it's a little bit different, not, not what a grandma wants, but it's certainly better than not uh, being able to visit in person. And of course, we're doing our best to be really careful, uh, wearing our masks and washing our hands a lot. Uh, you know, as we, my husband and I are both in uh, that age range where we're considered high risk. So we're just being really careful because I, I want to I wanna live long enough to dance at my granddaughter's wedding. Oh, you, you, you got that right. I'm in a similar age bracket and similar, similar circumstance. And so are you still working from home or is Marta back at the office? The majority of Marta employees are teleworking where their jobs permit that. Um, I go into the office generally two or three times a week. I, I have a great home office, but there are certain things that are just easier to do, better to do uh, at the office. And a, there are only a, a few people in every day, so we have plenty of space to social distance and still have our, our conversations that are needed to keep things rolling. Something that's uh, emerging in, in as, we, as we're going back to the office, as we are as well, uh, having some folks in, in the office, and uh, it goes to the issue of the etiquette of mask wearing yeah. it's quite, and shaking hands and fist bumps or elbow bumps and, and things like that. And uh, how, how, how are you guys getting on with that? Have you got mask wearing in the office or is it by choice? How are you guys dealing with that? So Marta requires masks. Uh, of both the employees and any contractors who come to any MARTA, Marta facility. Um, so uh, we all abide by that. Um, we do more toe tapping than elbow bumping because you can stay further apart if you're toe tapping. 
So we've learned that trick that keeps us our requisite six feet apart. Um, yeah, the, the biggest challenge we have with social distancing is really uh, on our construction projects, being out in the field. You just have to be really mindful and really careful. And, and there are moments when you can't keep that separation. So you have to just have that transaction very quickly and then separate again. How would you say the motto staff are uh, coping with the mask wearing mandate? Is that something that people have, have taken accepting of or you've had any, had any problems in that area? I have heard of no issues with uh, staff. We had a few contractors who were a little bit less excited about it, but, but they've come around. You know, we now also uh, require masks on the system, both the buses and the trains. And we are distributing masks for those who don't have their own to encourage them to be compliant with that, that request. It's part of our uh, Ride With Respect program. Ride with respect. I, I, I like that. And uh, as a, at the end of this, we'll look at some of the numbers, and I think you're going to see some of the uh, the statistics now reflecting the leadership that you guys are showing in that area. Transitioning over to Martyr, um, what's your sense about ridership and transit in times of COVID? It's, I hear read stories about the potentially the end of transit as we know it, because not people are going to ride transit anymore. What's your sense? What are the numbers showing you guys? So I think it's a very interesting time. You know, we are simultaneously seeing declines in ridership, as you might expect. People aren't going to their offices. They're not going to events downtown, things like that. So ridership is down. However, because of social distancing, we are having to provide a very high level of service so that there's enough capacity for people to use the system but be spaced apart. So it, it's kind of unusual times. Uh, we have uh, had to pull some of our bus routes, the ones that were uh, dramatically underutilized or not being utilized at all during this time, and take those buses and deploy them to the routes that are very heavy ridership routes. We have nominally 45 routes with very heavy ridership. Uh, we are finishing up a phase where passengers are entering through the back to protect the operators from too much exposure, but we're getting ready to put plastic enclosures around the operators so passengers can uh, resume entering from the, the front. The big difference is when you enter from the back, we have no way to collect a fare. So we're hmm. providing extra service, but collecting no revenue uh, at the same time. So it's a very, very thin tightrope for uh, tra all transit agencies. I think MARTA is doing a lot of the things that many other transit properties are. And so we're, um, we're struggling with revenue. Uh, fortunately, we had great leadership that um, uh, built up some good reserves. So that with some assistance from the federal government and some really good management right now, uh, we're able to provide really good service and keep our projects moving forward. How do you guys see the world? Are you sort of on a month-to-month -month basis? Or you say, viewing the world at six months' time, it's all going to be over and behind us? Or well, how do you see the timeline for all of this unfolding? So we don't see a quick end, even, even if there's a vaccine and people begin to develop confidence. We know it's going to take time for people to be comfortable kind of coming back out into the world. So, you know, we're, we're prepared for the long haul. We know that it's going to take probably a couple of years to fully oh, wow. re-engage our ridership. 
you know, part of it's also going to depend on what happens with traffic congestion. So the, the faster we have bumper to bumper or stop and go traffic, you know, when, when I-85 and I-75 become parking lots again, people will go back to thinking transit's a really great idea. Right, um, and that's... You know, so there's we, a direct we, we, relationship there. Yeah, we do have those, those discussions underway about how to make your buses work better by giving them green lights and things. That's something that's always a topic of interest to us, and uh, that'll sort of be more relevant once uh, the congestion all, all starts up again. I know that your real interest in MARTA or your responsibilities in the capital programs delivery, uh, and you guys have done some interesting things on the capital programs front during this pandemic. Do you want to talk to us about some of your accelerations and things that are that I hear that you guys have done. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, it's been a very interesting time. So uh, we have a lot of projects that would normally be of great inconvenience to our passengers. We have to take an elevator out of service to do some rehab or renovations. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a good situation, particularly for our mobility riders. Um, sometimes we only have one elevator on a platform, and so we have to make special arrangements with our mobility passengers. But we've had the opportunity, um, for example, at the station, has a lot of names. It's been called the Dome Station, the State Farm Arena, the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium Station, uh, where there have been no events. And so we seized the opportunity to completely close down the station. Uh, we checked the ridership. We were we were having about nine passengers a day. Wow! Um, but the Vine City Station and the Five Point Stations are really close, so we decided it was worthwhile to shut the station down. We fixed water leaks. We fixed the roof. We fixed the elevators, the escalators. Did a deep cleaning. Did a lot of customer-facing uh, projects that might have taken months in the past, but now we were able to do them in, a, in several weeks and at the same time not um, interfere with the, the good experience that we want our passengers to have. So oh. we've been fi finding those, those moments and those gems where we can, we can do projects like that. Well, that's really innovative and uh, you guys are to be applauded for making the best of a bad situation. and. Uh, and using this opportunity so you don't inconvenience folks in, in the future. One of the things we're going to do is have a look at some statistics, some graphs of the new cases, so we can have a little bit of an understanding of what does it mean that all of the, this case count has suddenly gone up in the United States. You know, this is publicized in different ways in different media, but I'm just going to give you my, my take on it. And uh, a lot of folks say, you know, this blue line, is the number of new cases in the United States compared with other countries. And this is normalized by how many people are in the country, so it's by, by per million people. And what you see is uh, up, at the, up at this peak here, where we had a peak at some of the same time as United Kingdom and, and Canada and so forth, everybody said, okay, well that's the, you know, the past behind us, and we're into this decline, which is going to then uh, you know, be steady in the future, and lo and behold, a couple of weeks back, we had this massive spike of second wave or continuation of the fifth. And uh, you know, there's been a lot of political talk about the cause of that and, and what's happening. But as Marsha, as you correctly said, that the big difference now is we understand how to beat this virus and this pandemic, and you wear a mask, wash your hands, and you socially distance. 
And everybody's looking at this graph and saying, well, why isn't that working? What's the effect of all of this? And the reason for this is because the United States, while it's one nation, it's actually 50 countries. And I'll show you what that means in this next slide. And so what you see is this, and this is the summation of, of, of various states, and I'll just pick four of them to show. This first one over here is New York. And what happened in New York, it had an early massive peak, which then subsided quite quickly as New York uh, imposed mitigation measures. Yeah. But while the United States as a country appeared to you know, tailor off quite slowly, is because at the same time as New York was coming down, the other states were coming up. Now, us in the South, we thought, well, we, we've just dodged a bullet. We're not going to be like New York. But in fact, we are. And you can see Arizona and Florida, the graphs for Arizona and Florida, with peaks per million roughly similar to, the, to New York and New Jersey. And it's just come later. And this is what's powered this massive uh, second spike, is these states uh, which suffered exactly what New York suffered. It's just later. Now, the, that's the bad news. The good news is that there's early indications, as you can see, that these graphs are, are starting to come down. And if we apply the mitigation that Marsha and, and, and Marta are doing, or, and the leadership that they've shown, that we'll, these will come down with roughly the same slope, I guess, as New York, and we'll be looking at a brighter future provided we do the mitigation. And so on that note, and a compliment to Marsha and to Marta for uh, showing leadership in that area. I'd like to thank you, Marsha, for coming on the show and uh, sharing your insights. Well, Brian, thank you so much. And, and I hope yeah, the next time you get a chance to ride Marta, uh, you'll notice that we have hand sanitizing stations uh, at all the uh, entry points to the system. You can grab a mask from one of our uh, ambassadors, um, and you have confidence on the train because we uh, have partnered with Delta, and we have these amazing um, electrostatic sprayers that uh, are used to sanitize the equipment frequently. So we're doing everything we can to give you that safe opportunity to ride. Ah, fantastic. That's good to hear. So thanks for joining us today on Coping with COVID. You. I'm your host, Brian Mulligan. We'll see you again soon and stay safe and healthy.